thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor Alicia and this is Excel Church Online. If you are joining us for the first time, I invite you to text online to 330-403-8088. We do have a special gift just to thank you for tuning in to our service on this morning. And are we excited that you are tuning in? Absolutely. Uh, we are embarking on a new series today entitled Following Jesus. And I'm really excited that this is going to be a turning point in your walk with the Lord. So whether you have not um, ever been to church and coming to church online here with us is your first experience, or whether you have been in church for quite some time and being in church online is something that you have had to resort to out of necessity. I believe that as we get into this series, we are going to have an opportunity to go deeper in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. So this is not the type of message that you want to miss. So go ahead and remove all your distractions and take a moment and invite someone else to be a part of today's service as well. You can hit that share button, whether you're joining us on YouTube or joining us on Facebook, or maybe you're just kind of hiding out and watching us on our website. Either way, just go ahead and take a moment and share the gospel with someone. Let someone else know um, that there is love, there is hope, and that there is someone who loves them and wants to come into their life. So let's talk about that for a moment. Um, I want to get into today's message and I want to ask you this question. And just for those of you who are visiting for the first time, when I ask a question, I really want to hear your answer. So you can text in the comments throughout the whole service. You can interact with me. Um, you can respond. You can share your thoughts. You can share what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Feel free to interact in the comments and you might even see your comment on the screen. So here's the question I have for you first. Have you ever noticed how distance changes our perspective of something? Have you ever noticed how distance changes our perspective of something? Our first impressions of something can be different at a distance than it is up close. Think about that for a second. Have you ever seen someone from a distance and you're certain it's someone that you know, it's a friend of yours or a colleague and you're flagging them down and you're waving at them from the distance. But as you get a little closer up, you realize, oh no, that's not who I thought it was. Your perspective changed. Your ability to see things got a little bit more clearly the closer you got. Now, have you ever experienced that in some other area of your life? Well, our relationship with Jesus can be that way as well. Many have a distorted view or a distorted understanding of God. And for one reason or another, we only see Jesus from a distance. So I wanna start with the story of a man whose view of Jesus was that way as well. His view of Jesus was one way from a distance, but as we'll see, things changed the closer that he got. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke. We're gonna look at chapter 19, verses one through 10. Gonna give you a moment to get there. Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10. And it reads, 
Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and clamped a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray for a second. God, we thank you for revealing to us all that you desire to show us on this morning. I ask that you would allow me to decrease, that you might increase and you might get the glory, that you may be able to speak directly into the hearts and the minds of your children, of those that you desire to reach this morning. God, I thank you for every person who you have called to be a part of this service this morning, whether they're watching us live or whether they're watching on the rebroadcast. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are allowing them to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers also. Let this word penetrate their heart and cause change to happen in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This amongst many of Jesus' parables and interactions with people displays the heart of heaven. Now, what do I mean by that? Somebody type the heart of heaven. What do I mean by this displays the heart of heaven? First of all, this is an emotion-packed story. Zacchaeus was a Jew and he was in partnership with an oppressive government. Um, he collected taxes and um, he also extorted additional money from the people. So as you can imagine, he was not very popular. He was literally robbing um, his own people and he was very wealthy. And so we are to um, discern from that, that he was very good at what he was doing and that he was very good at abusing people for his own personal profit. So when he hears that Jesus is coming into town, um, because of his character, because of his history, because of his wrongdoing, um, he pretty much assumed that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with him. Um, and so he was at a distance. He, he couldn't see. He wanted to see him. He wanted to observe Jesus, but he at the same time didn't feel that he could get close because of who he was. And so when he got up in the tree, it was purely for observation purposes. Somebody say observation. And as he began to observe Jesus, he began to understand that Jesus didn't want him to just observe. He wanted to interact. Okay. I need you to catch this. He wanted to interact with Zacchaeus. 
in spite of who he was, in spite of what his background was, in spite of his errors and his wrongdoings, Jesus still called him forth and interacted with him. Now, see, the sad truth is that many of us are like Zacchaeus in that we estimate that because of our failures and because of our mistakes, that when we come to Christ, whether it's coming to a service online or whether it's coming to a physical building, we kind of want to keep at a distance because we don't want the preacher to get too close to us and to know all of our sins, or we don't want the people in the services to get too close to us and begin to know who we really are. But if we are to follow the example of Jesus, and if we're to take anything from what we see is the heart of heaven, we are to understand that Jesus is not building boundaries and building walls between us, but he is looking to become closer with us. Somebody say, get closer to him. He is looking to draw us closer. And so he looks him straight in the eye and, and he, he begins to do the unthinkable. He stops and looks at Zacchaeus and he says, I'm coming to stay at your house. He's coming to stay at his house. And Zacchaeus is shocked and he responds by accepting Jesus's invitation to come to his house. And this is where everything changes. Now, remember we talked about how some things look one way from a distance, but as you get closer, things look differently. Now he's closer. He started off hanging up in the, fit, the, syca the sycamore fig tree, and now he's up close and personal, right in the presence of Jesus, right in the face of Jesus. And Jesus is giving him this invitation and he is accepting Jesus's invitation. And do you see what happened next? Just like that, this is where everything changes, where Jesus in his presence transforms his life. He begins to immediately repent. The transformation happens. Look at that scripture again. As we look at the scripture, he says, here and now I give half of my possessions. And if I've done anything wrong, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back. That's the type of transformation that happens when we make the decision not to watch Jesus from a distance, but to allow him to come into our life. Do I have any witnesses this morning? Do I have anybody this morning who can testify personally? To how Jesus has transformed your life. And so we see here, his life is fully transformed with just one encounter with Jesus. He goes from stingy and withholding to giving and generous. This transformation happened in Zacchaeus's life, but it also happens all throughout the Bible, all throughout history. And as you have attested in the comments, it's happening even right now. And this theme of God not wanting to stay at a distance, but from wanting to come close is the central theme of scripture and is what I meant when I said it is the heart of heaven. The big theme of the Bible and the heart of heaven is God loves you and wants to be close to you. Somebody share that. God loves you and wants to be close to you. Somebody, you go ahead and tweet that. God loves you and God wants to be close to you. Yes, you. 
This is the cry of the heart of God to bring you and me close to him again. Have you ever talked to someone and felt like they were getting bored with the conversation because they're kind of shifting and they're they're looking off or they're looking at their watch or they're you know trying to find something else to do or trying to cut the conversation short well here's some good news god has never felt that way about you he's not disinterested he's not um trying to figure out how to get rid of you god loves you and is trying to draw you close to him. And, and that might be hard to believe depending on where you are right now, depending on what you're dealing with, what are your issues, what are your concerns, what are your worries. You may feel like he's farthest from you than you can imagine, but I'm here to share with you this morning. That can change in an instance, just like it did for Zacchaeus. God is inviting you to allow him to come in. Now, I want you to get this because some of you may be thinking, well, I've accepted Jesus Christ into my heart a very long time ago. So what is in this message for me? Oh, you just hold on because allowing him to come in and allowing him to stay in are not exactly the same thing. I think so many times of how we are in the beginning of our relationship, in our honeymoon phase, if you will, when we at first accept Jesus Christ into our life and how excited we are and how on fire and how good we are at working at that relationship. But if we're honest and if we're truly honest, as that relationship goes on, sometimes like we do in real relationships with other people, we become inattentive. We may even drift apart. We may even go astray. And so I assure you that this message is for you as well. See, he is not trying to get out of a conversation with you. He's trying to get into a relationship and conversation with each and every one of us. One of the greatest examples in the Bible of this reality is when Jesus is on the cross. And you will recall when he was on the cross being crucified for the sin of the world and all of the agony of that moment and all that would be on his mind and the pressure physically, um, there's something that he said and something that happened that should forever solidify in our heart God's intention to be close to you. To set the stage, remember that when Jesus was at this point and he was being crucified um, that he was in the middle of two other um, people but they were criminals and they were being crucified at the same time and presumably they deserved some sort of punishment for their crimes and right in the middle of the most agonizing moment of jesus's human life one of the christian criminals asked him a question Luke 23, turn with me if you would, verses 40 through 43. Luke 23, verses 40 through 43. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me 
in paradise. Now, I don't know if you've ever caught that before. Maybe you've never read it before. Maybe you've read it several times before and the Holy Spirit is showing you something new and afresh today. But this exchange of Jesus and the man on the cross next to him is truly amazing. Think about this. Not only does Jesus take the time to listen and to respond to him while he is hanging on a cross, being crucified, but when the criminal asks him, he says, remember me. Now, mind you, he's hanging on a cross and he is admitting that he is being crucified because he is wrong, that he is being punished for something that he did that is wrong. Are you seeing a theme here? Like Zacchaeus, he is guilty. His wrongdoing is, is, has caught up with him. And at this moment, he still has the wherewithal to say to who he knows to be the Savior, remember me. Don't count me in with these that don't believe. I believe, remember me. And what is Jesus's response? Does Jesus respond as we might think and say, well, with all that you've done, um, no, nah, I'm not going to remember you. You're not getting anywhere near heaven. Does he say that? Does he say with all the people that you've hurt and all the wrong you've done, what would make you think I would remember you? Mm -mm. His response is, surely you'll be with me in paradise. Hmm. Is that showing you something? He said, you will be with me. You'll be with me. Jesus is showing us, I want you with me. No, you're not perfect. Yes, you've made mistakes, some graver than others, but ultimately, I desire to be close to you. And if you will accept the invitation, if you will acknowledge me, if you will believe upon me, if you would allow me into your heart and allow me into your life, you will be with me and we will have a relationship. Now see, this is something that I'm praying is going to resonate with you on so many different levels because he's not saying then you'll be into the great country club and you'll become a Christian and you'll get a nice cross. No, he's saying you and I will be together. We will be in relationship. And what you need to understand as we have begun to just tip the little tip of the iceberg this morning is when you become in relationship with Jesus, things begin to change. I hope you catch this because so many times we are looking all around to and fro, trying to figure out how we're going to get our come up, how we're going to get things better, how we're going to meet our boo, how we're going to get this job, how are we going to get into this place that we know that God has for us. And we're looking everywhere except in Christ. We have to get to a point where we begin to remember that the relationship that we have with Christ is going to reveal the things that we need to know. It's going to reveal to us the moves we need to make, the transitions. And so if we're really honest with us, maybe that's why some of us don't want to be in relationship. Maybe some of us, I can say this because I've been there. 
Maybe some of us want to stay on the outside, on the outskirts, and just watch Jesus from a distance, just, enough, just close enough so that we can know that heaven is our home, but not so close that Jesus has the access to begin to renovate our lives. Because God forbid he begin to move or change or do some things that we don't want him to do. But how many of you understand that as we begin to relinquish that fear and we begin to walk in the trust that anything that he's going to change, anything that he's going to do, anything he's going to remove, that God is able to replace, to replenish, to restore, that he has something even better in store. I know we say we believe that, but let him start messing with our stuff. Whoa, 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 wait, Jesus, put that down. <laughs> what you doing, Jesus? I like that. I am enjoying this secret sin in my life, and I'm not quite ready to relinquish it yet. But if you begin to see, even as Zacchaeus did, as we begin to relinquish, as we begin to say, you know what, let, let me reevaluate this. I want to be in relationship with him, and I know that sin is separating me from him. So whatever I have to do, I will lay aside every weight that besets me. I want to be in relationship with him. I want us to take a look at something else powerful that happens when Jesus entered the scene. Look at Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 50 through 51. Now, this is when Jesus is about to fully die on the cross and exchange our sin for his righteousness. Are you there, Matthew chapter 27? Something powerful happens right here at verse 50 and 51. It says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Did you catch that? Somebody say, at that moment. At that moment. I love that God didn't waste a second. At that moment. Not the next day. At that moment. He split the curtain. He did it right then, the split second after he paid the price for our sin, he split the curtain for eternity. Okay, some of you are going, okay, I don't get it. What split the curtain was the point. He is reminding us of a key message that God wanted nothing to get in between us and him being close. He removed the veil. He removed the distance. He removed the separation. We no longer had to go through an intermediary. We no longer had to come to a priest. We no longer had to get to someone else with a sacrifice because Jesus had already made the ultimate sacrifice. And so he paid not only the price for our sin, but he also became the bridge that we can now come boldly into the presence of God and we don't have to come through someone else. You do not have to come through another person. You, yourself, even in our unrighteousness and even in our sin and our filthiness and our mistakes, we can come into the presence of God and he desires to see us and to be close to us. 
I can't even imagine. I don't even want my kids getting in my car when they're muddy. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Get you clean your shoes off. Get the dirt off of you first. <laughs> get yourself together. Don't come bringing all this mud. But our Father, He loves us so much. Nothing can separate us. Bring the mud. Bring the dirt. Bring everything. Come just as you are. Because, see, He's God. He can take care of that. He's not worried about the dirt. He's worried about you. So let me ask you this. And, and I want to look at Ephesians 2.13 before I ask you my next question. Because if you weren't sure, I need before, I want you to be sure now that God wants you to be close. Somebody said God wants us close. And that it's not a cliche line or a concept. It's literal closeness with God that he is desiring. Look at Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay? It's in and through Jesus that we now come close to God. Somebody give that back to me. It's now through Jesus that we Come close to God. And the sad reality is that too many of us are settling for the distance when Jesus paid everything for us to be close. Think about that for a second. Why would I go into the arena? My husband, he, he oftentimes gets us tickets to the Cavs game. And why would I, after he has paid the price for us to sit on the floor, for us to sit up close and to see the game up close. Can you imagine me having that ticket? And I love those tickets because they normally have like, like the food voucher on the ticket and so you the parking on the ticket so it gives you access. You can park and get a great parking space and you can get in and get a great scene and get food while you're eating. Can you imagine after all that has been prepared for me, me getting into the arena saying, no, I'm just going to go sit up in the bleachers. That wouldn't make much sense. No, I'm going to go to the nosebleeds. I'm going to sit as far as I possibly can because God forbid, you know, I don't want to get hit by the ball. How many of us have accepted a far, 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 far distant relationship with Christ because of what? What do you think are some of those reasons? That's the question I want to ask you. What do you think are the reasons that would cause us to forsake the closeness with Christ that we are all able to access? What are some of those reasons? I'm going to share and expose a couple with you, and then we're going to close in prayer. And for those of you who are listening to this and thinking, I, I feel like I may be further away from Jesus than I should be, and I want to accept him into my life, you're going to see instructions on the screen, and I want you to take these steps. I want you to take these steps. And when you do, please be sure to take the instructions that show you how to share with us so that we can share with the congregation, so that we can rejoice with you, so that we can just give God praise and glory for bringing you into the kingdom. 
and we can continue to pray with you as you walk with the Lord. Will you do that this morning? That's what I meant when I said not just to be hearers of the word, not to just listen and say, oh, that was a nice message, <laughs> but to act upon what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning and to begin to move, move from this place that you're stuck in, move from this rut, move from this place of, 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 of destitution and begin to walk with the Lord. Even if he's taking you in a direction that you don't quite understand, we're all moving in that direction. None of us understand. None of us know what God has in store. But I know that if I'm with him, wherever we're going, it's going to be okay. So what are some of these reasons? Why do we stay a distance from God? I can't wait to see your comments. Why do you think we stay intentionally at a distance from God. As you're typing that, I'm going to share with you some things that I believe. First reason I believe many people stay at a distance from Jesus is what we can see in Zacchaeus' situation. And it was how he saw himself. I think that's the first reason why most of us stay distant in Jesus. is how we see ourselves. Zacchaeus saw himself as unworthy. He saw himself as not being um, in a position to be close to Jesus. He was okay with and assumed this, distance relation, this distant relationship with Jesus because he thought that that was all that he deserved. Because of his influence and his wealth, he certainly could have been inclined to position himself to meet Jesus, but he didn't even attempt to do that because of his sin and his brokenness. And what was true for him is also true for us. Guilt and shame cause us to hide from God. And you can think about it. It was the first instinct of Adam and Eve that when they sinned against God, they would rather run from him than to him. And that is our inclination even today. When we know that we are not right with God, our first instinct is to run away from God instead of to him. We often slip into guilt and shame and the devil will gladly help and encourage that to keep us in a wedge between God. He's a master at tempting us into sin by telling us it's not that big of a deal. But then after we've committed that sin and we fall for it, he's right back there to show us how we're horrible and unlovable and how God can never want to be with us. Well, you know what? I pray that as I have been revealing and sharing God's word with you this morning, that you see that to be the lie from the pit of hell that it is. In spite of where you are, in spite of how far you may feel, you can make the decision right now to follow Jesus. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, somebody just put in the comments, I will follow him. Come on, begin to make your declaration known. Begin to profess and allow the enemy to know, I will not fall for your tricks. I am not buying the hype. I will follow Jesus. And while it is true that our sin may separate us from God, our sin never changed his heart toward us. He's always loved us and he's always desired 
for us to come to him. So let's, let's kind of put that in the comments. Our sin separates us, but doesn't change his heart towards us. Now, I want to share one more thing before we close. I want to encourage you that no matter what you've done or where you've been or how far you feel like you've missed the mark, you can run to him. You can just put it in the comments, some little running people. You can run to your father and he is waiting for you with open arms. And think about it. Let's think about another um, instance where I think it really shows us the other reason. In addition to how we feel about ourselves or how we see ourselves, the other reason that keeps us at a distance from God. And that may be how we see him. How we see him can keep us from a distance. Look at Luke chapter 15 as we close. Turn with me if you want. Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 11 through 24. And it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quit, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Here's a key reality as you follow Jesus. Listen to me closely. How you see Jesus will affect what you receive from him. Somebody say that. How you see Jesus will affect what you receive from Jesus. And Zacchaeus' story and the story of the lost son, he for sure didn't think that Jesus would want anything to do with him because he saw God as more of a harsh, judgmental, angry father 
rather than the all-powerful creator and loving father that he is. That's why we have to know our word because many times we resort to our familiarity, maybe how we saw our father, maybe because of the relationships we've had in our own lives and they begin to taint what we think about our heavenly father. And as we begin to pour into his word and we begin to study who he is and we begin to know his character. I did a series on this. I think it was, somebody remind me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was the Created for Significance series where we studied this in detail, God's heart for us and his desire to, to capture the lost. And we talked for several weeks. And if you want to catch that, you can on our YouTube series, or you can even look in our podcast. If you have Spotify or Apple podcast or Google podcast, you can listen to those sermons, but begin to saturate your heart and your mind with the truth of God's love for us and begin to see who he really is. He is a good, good father. It's not a song. It is a song that is uh, a, 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 it begins to help us to rehearse a truth that God loves us so very much. And so as we begin to alter the way we see him, it will alter our relationship. It will cause us to want to draw closer because we will begin to understand, God, he really loves me. He, he loves me in spite of, in spite of my faults. I don't have to get myself together before I can come to Christ. I have to come to him as I am. He loves me and he accepts me and everything about me that is, is, is flawed the only way for me to begin to bring forth that transformation is to draw closer to him. So we begin to see that the trick of the enemy is to keep us distant because we don't want to come close to him because we feel that we are not deserving or that he will not accept us. And so we stay right where we are and we stay stagnant when the reality of the matter is as we get closer to him, as a Zacchaeus experience, as the, the lost son experience, there is everything we need is in the kingdom. Everything we need, naturally, spiritually, everything we need, we begin to discover as we walk into the image and become more like him. And that comes in being in relationship with him. And that comes in changing the distance. Are you ready to follow him? I know we, we can see this and we can talk about this for a great deal of time because it's, it's truly uh, a repetitive theme throughout the word of God. And if we even had more time, I could talk to you more. And I hope we will talk more on Wednesday. As you know, as that Wednesday is the time where we come together for our well check. And I believe that we can dive into this some more and we can have some discussion about God's love for us and how we can draw closer to him. But it is so important for you to know that Jesus is not mad at you. Say it with me. Jesus is not mad at me. Say it with me again. Jesus is not mad at me. I know you feel like you've disappointed him. I know you feel like there's some ways that you've fallen short. Jesus sent me to tell you this morning, He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He just desires for you to get close. Are you ready to get close to him? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the awesome privilege to communicate your message to your people this morning. And I pray, Lord, 
that every person that you desired to hear this word was here. I thank you that we were able to share this word and even those who may not have been present at the time that it was initially being shared. I thank you, Father God, for the power of social media. I thank you for the power of technology. And I thank you that we can share your word with someone who needs this hope, who needs this encouragement to know that you love them and you are here for them. Thank you, Father, for each and every person that is deciding right now to follow you, to give their life to you. I thank you, Father God, that they have taken the bold step. And I thank you, Lord God, that they will have the courage to share with us that they've taken this step this morning, that their lives will never be the same. God, I thank you for the transformation that will take place. I thank you for the testimonies that will come forth. I thank you for the ways in which their lives and those around them will be changed because they made a decision today to follow you. Lord, this is the month of August, of beginnings, new beginnings. So I thank you for new beginnings. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for souls being saved. I thank you for lives being rededicated. I thank you for people having a revival in their spirit, God. Hallelujah. That they would be able to walk closer and get closer to you. And we give you praise and we give you honor in advance for what you've done and what you are yet to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you.